we're on. Hey everyone. <laughs> all the funds of live streaming and getting everything working, including microphones and all that sort of stuff. Uh, welcome to the land of the church scattered uh, as we're online. Um, and that's really part of what this uh, series has been all about, isn't it? Of being the church scattered. But this week we start focusing on what does it look like to be the church gathered. Uh, would you pray with me before we start? Father, I just want to say thank you for the chance to be able to speak with my church family now and the opportunity to open up your word and be filled with joy and hope of what you have uh, set for us, um, our future, our security and our hope complete in what we have just celebrated in communion, that the Lord Jesus Christ came to set us free from sin and death and to be made righteous, to be made right before a holy God. So Lord, we celebrate together. Would you open up our eyes? Would you attune our ears to listen to what you are wanting us to be learning from, be refreshed by, um, to be moved towards in this message today? We pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's great for you to be able to join with us online, whether you're part of our local church here in Raymond Terrace Community Church, or whether you are joining in with us live um, all around the world. We're so glad that you could join with us this morning, and my hope would be that this would be motivating you to be involved in a local church. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where you're talking along and, and you might say something along the lines of, um, oh, I'm going to church on Sunday. Or, um, oh, I went to church and I went and did this or something. Like that. And, and your brother, Christian brother or sister, just gives you a little bit of a wink and says, oh, you know the church is not a building, don't you? You know it's people. Okay. Or maybe a conversation where you're talking with someone and that conversation becomes a little bit awkward and that conversation has turned into going, well, I don't think you really need to go to church because, you know, you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. We are the church. Have you ever had a conversation like that? Or maybe you've been one of those people asking that sort of a question. Well, are they right or are they wrong? On both accounts, they are correct but it's not the full expression or the full story of what church is. I have no problem saying I'm going to church on a Sunday, even though it might be coming to a specific building, because this building exists for the local gathering of a church. You don't need to be at church to be a Christian, because as Aaron unpacked last week, um, when we were talking about the church scattered, he was talking about church being people who are filled with the Spirit, obedient to the Word, and faithful to God's mission. Being a Christian is not going to church. It's not doing religious things. But it is part of the story. This week we're talking about the church gathered and Church, by its very name, 
comes from a Greek word called ecclesia, which simply means an assembly. If you, when you think about assembly, you're probably thinking about school and going to assembly. And what happens at assembly? Everyone gets together. The assembly of the saints or assembling of people when it comes to church means being devoted to Jesus and his mission or his purpose for life. Jesus first uses this sort of terminology in Matthew 16 when he's addressing Simon Peter, who had just declared Jesus as the Messiah, as the Son of God. Let me, let me read from that. Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus says, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my church. When he's talking about building my church, he's talking about all who would identify themselves as a Christ follower, as the church universal. You're called a child of God alongside all the other children of God, past, present and future. This terminology is sometimes known in um, theological um, means of eschatological assembly. That's just a fancy way of saying it is everyone that is seen as pure and forgiven through the work of Jesus at the end time judgment. It's what we commonly know as the universal church. It's all who will receive eternal life because of Jesus Christ, the universal church. And there's a second way that the word church is used in the New Testament, and that is as a local assembly of the saints. It's a family of believers who come together to carry out God's desires for his children, both locally and representative of a greater church assembly. We read in the Bible that when a person comes to a full revelation of Jesus and his love for us, that their desire would be to actively be a part of both ideas of a church assembly, the church universal and a church gathered locally. Therefore, to be included as a family or a church here at Raymond Terrace Community Church, you will have first of all, repented from your sin, accepted Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, and entered into a relationship with a local assembly here in Raymond Terrace. Family, children of God, accepted by Jesus and forgiven and set free and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Anyone who comes into our family, Raymond Terrace Community Church, either through here by physical doors, where we've had about eight people come in today, or online for everyone who is listening in now, are always welcomed 
as special guests to the family with a delighted openness that they might too one day be called family or part of the church here in Raymond Terrace. See, anyone can walk through the doors of a physical building when we come and worship and everyone is welcome. But to be called family, to be entered into a membership of a congregation, you first of all need to be part of the universal church. So, so let's uh, unpack that a bit further. <clears throat> and our main reading for today is going to be from Acts chapter 2. If you've got a Bible with you, I want you to race out, go grab it. We're going to be spending a bit of time in Acts 2. Um, if you've got your phone, it makes it a bit difficult, isn't it, when you're watching it on YouTube and also having your Bible app. So maybe you might just have to listen in and have a bit of a read later. But would you read with me Acts 2? And I'm going to read <clears throat> from verse 36. Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to the end, verse 47. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. <clears throat> so those who received his word were baptised, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. You might have heard us say over the years that Raymond Terrace Community Church has adopted a purpose statement which says, we exist to make, mature and multiply disciples here in Raymond Terrace and beyond. And starting from this uh, place in Acts, in actual fact, we could probably go a little bit earlier to be able to get a complete understanding or context of what's going on here. We see that the church gathered, our first point is, is to be a response to what Jesus has done. It's a gathering of people who have repented from their sin and are now identifying themselves as a follower of Jesus Christ. If we look in that first part of um, the passage in Acts, we see this making of disciples starting to take shape. See, Peter is here and he is um, declaring to a group of people who are witnessing this um, strange phenomena of the Holy Spirit coming to all of these disciples and them starting to speak and to share and everyone being able to hear in their own language. And they're going, what's going on? Oh, they must be drunk. And Peter says, no, let me share with you what's really going on. 
God is revealing to you what he has done through Jesus Christ. And they were hearing the message of this Jesus, whom only a few chapters earlier we read they crucified. And Peter saying, this person whom you crucified was Jesus, the Messiah. And he came and was crucified for you, to rescue you from your sin. And it says that they were cut to the heart. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, gave a message of hope and life to all who heard him. The gospel, good news. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Messiah simply means saviour. And their response was, what do we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this gift is open to everyone. The words of eternal life was given by Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth of the Old Testament. Peter's actually unveiling a whole pile of um, um, passages from the Old Testament of what David had done and pointing that all along this was a prophetic word to what Jesus was going to do. The listeners needed to accept this message and shift their life focus from themselves and religion to Jesus and following him. That's what repentance is. It's going in one direction, stopping, recognizing that you are in the wrong direction and turning towards the right direction, turning towards Jesus. That is what a Christian is. It's one who turns from their sinful life and motivation to Jesus and his motivation. And this is what qualifies you to be accepted to be in the assembly of the universal church, along with every other person in history who has done or will do in the same. God used Peter through the power of the Holy Spirit to make disciples that day. The church gathered starts with being part of the universal church. It starts with repentance, a turning from your sin and turning to a saviour. So that was the first point. The church gathered is a response to what Jesus has done. The second part, what does the church gathered look like? What does it do? Well, the church gathered functions as a public example of what Jesus is doing and how his children live. Let's read again from Acts 2 what they do, starting at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and, and the breaking of bread and the prayers. So in response to Jesus, they devoted themselves to those things, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Devoted. Do you know the use or the intent of that word there? It wasn't entertained. Or it wasn't trying. 
the word used was devoted. What does devoted mean? Well, it's commitment in love and in loyalty. Now, I don't know if he's online today or not, but Peter Bryan is observably devoted as a loving husband to his wife, Michelle. Or Reuben, where is Reuben? Somewhere hiding away. Is devoted and loyal to his family by applying for university at Newcastle so he can commit all of his university holidays to part of his uni bludging to help out with his good old dad here at church. Is that what devotion is? No, it's making a decision of what you do in your life because of someone important in your life. Or Sandra, devoting to loving her church family by turning up every Monday without fail and without being asked to, to empty all the rubbish bins out of a church building in an office every single week. She does that because she loves her church. She's devoted to helping out. The other thing, the other way that we might uh, define definition of devotion might be to the display or the study or the discussion of a cause or purpose. Like Janine Devereaux being devoted to raising money for cerebral palsy research. Or perhaps in reflection of what we've read in Acts 2, there might be a church in Raymond Terrace called Raymond Terrace Community Church that is given over to the display, the study or the discussion in the raising of awareness of Jesus Christ who came and gave up his life for the church. There is a body of people, followers of Jesus, who are devoted to his purpose. What does devoted look like in this passage of Acts? What does it look like for a church gathered all around the world in local places? Well, let's look at it. The first one. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We heard a little bit like the, of this um, when Aaron was speaking last week, being obedient to God's word. Being devoted means a thirst, a desire to learn and to grow more and more. Lifelong learning. It's submitting yourself to the leadership of others in the direction in your life as they give examples of what Christian living should look like. It's opening up the word of God together that the Holy Spirit might reveal his way to us. The truth and the life. Teaching is an ultimate part of what being devoted looks like. It's a constant desire to come and listen and learn. Next one was, and the fellowship. Hmm, there's an interesting word, isn't it? Fellowship. Some of you might think of the fellowship of the ring. I had to put in a C.S. Lewis phrase there somewhere, Chris. <laughs> 
the, the, the Fellowship of the Ring is a story about three people on a mission. Well, what does fellowship look like here in the context of the church? Fellowship simply means holding something in common. Fellowship, holding something in common. So together, here in Book of Acts, we can see being revealed that together they were sharing everything that they had because of their newfound awe of Jesus. And there was a real buzz about the place. Let, let's see. To the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done throughout the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were all together. The one thing they had in common was they were in love with Jesus. They were passionately in love with Jesus. They couldn't stop being excited about Jesus. And we later learned they couldn't stop talking about Jesus. We can see this is when we keep reading Acts, you know, and uh, we've often used the term fellowship here in the church gathered at a, at a local church service where, you know, it's time for a cuppa and bicky after church. Um, a bicky might be very loose and the kids might take two if Diane and Aileen aren't watching. But, uh, you know, it's, it's about, you know, th this idea of coming together, but it's more than just hanging. Although hanging together is a natural thing. It's around what is common. And for us, that is loving Jesus and living out his purpose. And we can see that in the next observation here. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, what they had in common, and to the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread is an interesting term here. It's actually used twice in this passage. And it's used in different contexts. If I was to say, um, would you like tea? It depends on the timing to whether my kids would be hearing, I'm going to enjoy a meal with everyone all together, or whether dad is talking about having a cup of tea. But it's still called tea. And even in this context here, when it says the breaking of bread, the first thing that comes to our mind when we have the breaking of bread is what we've just celebrated together as a church online. It's remembering Jesus when he said to his disciples when he broke bread and he blessed it and he said this is my body broken for you. You see we take communion each week as we can in common together to be able to remember what Jesus has done for us. The breaking of bread means taking communion. It means stopping and focusing on what God has done, reminding ourselves the whole reason why this local church exists is because Jesus set us free. Communion is so important. It's not something to just quickly gloss over. It is a vital part of the local church. The second use of the breaking of bread is, as I said before, it's, it's, it's to signify a meal. They broke bread. It means that they had a meal. And you can see that further down, it says that they, they were breaking bread in verse 46 
and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So they're coming together at the temple. They're breaking bread, remembering what Jesus had done. But they're also spending quality time around a meal with other Christians. With the one thing in common being Jesus has brought them together and Jesus has set them free. They were doing both. They were breaking a bread in a local assembly or together and they were also a local assembly in smaller groups, in small groups, in their homes. And they were celebrating what Jesus has done. And last of all, it says, and to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. Time in prayer with your saviour, just want to gently share with you, is not just a private thing. It's communal relationship between Jesus and the church. Of course, private prayer is a vital part of your Christian lifestyle. But prayer is such an important part of the church gathered life. And I don't think we have fully grasped hold of its full intent currently as a church family. We are getting better. Last Sunday night, I can't tell you how encouraging it was for us to have 15 people join with us in prayer on Zoom. It was fantastic. It was a new record. But can I be really honest with you? 15 people breaking a record? Eh, doesn't see prayer as a number one focus for our church communally together, does it? I would love to see that become 65%, similar to what we might see committed to coming of our congregation who can physically be here or online in a service, um, that they are available. There will always be a rotation of who's available and who's not. But the heart of our church is we've got a chance to get together to pray, I'm there. Prayer is important to the local church. Let's do it, people. It's good to pray together. It reminds ourselves that we are submitting as one before a holy God and we are having open relational communication with him as his church. And in that place, we're learning from other believers in how to pray, we're learning what to pray for, and we get to be praying beside them, saying, God, I agree. I'm praying for this too. And God hears his church communally praying for the things which are important to us and bringing before our God. What happens as a result of teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer? They were filled with awe. They were filled with awe and came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Do you have that sense of awe? Spending that time with God as a local church should fill us with awe, should fill us with excitement at the power of the holiness, the generosity, and the love of Jesus.
Well, what else did they do? Well, you've heard me say it a few times, but we'll focus on a little bit. They were simply together. <laughs> it's not rocket science, really, is it? <laughs> what do we mean by together? Well, church gathered means all the believers were together and had everything in common. Every day they continued to see each other together in the temple courts and they broke breads in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Frequency of gathering together is very observable here. Initially, these guys are so pumped, so excited, so passionate, they can't get enough of getting together. We can see that, can't we? They were meeting daily. Now, that's not a mandate for us to be gathering every day for a church service. I can see a few of the kids listening online going, whew. <laughs> Rather, though, it is observable that they would assemble together and we see a pattern come out in the early church that they would come together regularly on the Lord's Day. What is the Lord's Day? We see that as being the first day of the week, a Sunday. We see it in Acts 20 and we see it again in 1 Corinthians 16, that they would gather together regularly on the Lord's Day to remember what he has done. It's called the Lord's Day because he rose on the Sunday. It was the recognition that Jesus has victory over sin and death and allows the birth of the church to take place. So they gathered on the Lord's Day. They would fellowship regularly in houses around a meal, and they would experience all sorts of things that we experience in a church today. You know where I'm heading with this, don't you? <laughs> the local church gathered is an example to others about what the universal church should look like. And we see addressed in time and time again in Scripture to refine it, improve on it, to remind us what the church gathered should look like. And it's things like this, walking together in unity, working within the spiritual gifts that God has given you to serve others, to display to all what it is like to be together, a city on a hill with differences of a personality or opinion or demographic and status and all together choosing to be disciplined in their character and being changed daily to be more like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, those things I just mentioned there could be a whole sermon series on their own, couldn't it? But let's just say these guys were together a lot. God wants it that way. God expects it to be that way. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says this. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider 
how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day coming near. God wants us to be meeting together. Well, the next one that we see in um, what it's like to be doing the life of the church is generosity. It says that they sold things and they had things in common. And we're not talking about some sort of um, new political regime where if you belong to the local church, you have to go and give everything that you own to the elders of the church and they will decide what happens with everything. No, we don't read about that in Scripture. What we do read, though, is a generosity of people who were together enough that they understood the needs of others. And it was their joy to be able to work out how they could contribute to the needs that they saw before them. Yep. They devoted themselves. Their focus in this time of gathering was praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. Ephesians Five puts it like this in verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear the difference in those two words? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So even the very expression of coming together, and we love doing this as a local church in Ram Terrace, playing music and singing together, it's part of what the local church is to do. It's to allow others to hear you singing and to hear you saying, Jesus, I give you all my life. It's a communal thing and it encourages one another. But it's also not about the song. It's not about, oh, can everyone else hear me or not hear me? It's reflecting what is going on in your heart. The words that we're singing should be being dwelt deeply in our souls and saying, God, I believe this. I am singing this because I believe in you and I trust you. That's what a local church does. So next time when we get to gather together and we get to sing, and we hear that that's going to be in December, hopefully, according to the roadmap thus far given out by the New South Wales government. We're going to sing. We're going to sing loudly. We're going to sing in thanks for what the Lord has done. But we want to sing from the heart. And our expression is because God has made a difference in our lives. We're not coming together to be entertained. So that brings us to the final point before the guys come up to lead us in the final song. What does the church gathered look like? The gathered church looks like a constant going to share this good news and lifestyle with anyone who would hear. Church gathered 
would go out knowing Jesus is the one who will add to his church and excited about how they might be a part of his mission and his purpose to the lives of those around them. See, church isn't an all-consuming club to the exclusion of everyday life. It's the germinating soil to grow a fruitful seed that can be spread by the wind. You could almost say a Pentecostal, the Holy Spirit wind. As God wants to plant seeds in new people's lives to know Jesus. Jesus lived life with his disciples who matured. And then they went out and empowered by the Holy Spirit, they went out and spoke and made disciples in order for them to mature, that they might become a part of a church that they in turn would make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, guided by the Holy Spirit. So the end of Acts, it says, Acts 2, it says, and the Lord added daily those who are being saved. Well, there you go. We're off the hook, eh? It's Jesus's job, not ours. Jesus is the one who will make him mature and multiply, isn't it? Huh? It's God's job, not ours. Well, no, not entirely. Firstly, the movement started with Peter as one of Jesus' disciples addressing a crowd filled with the Holy Spirit for their need of repentance and acknowledgement of Jesus in their lives. Well, Peter knew this repentance and forgiveness himself personally, didn't he? Anyone who knows the story of Peter knows his life walking with Jesus daily and making huge mistakes in his life and hearing and experiencing and then the full revelation of knowing that his Lord and Saviour loves him and has forgiven him and has given him a job to do, to share the good news to all nations. It's a beautiful roadmap and experience which is entrusted to every Christian, not just Peter's, not just Jesus, but everyone. You see, the very next chapter Peter and John goes out and shares with someone who was begging and asking for money. And they say, well, I, I, I don't have that. But can I share with you about Jesus and what he can do? And we see incredible things happening. They couldn't stop thinking about Jesus and finding out ways to be able to share Jesus wherever they went. So what does that look like for you? as being part of the local church? Well, it gets personal. Is your devotion to Jesus like what we saw here in the local church? Does your family, your friends, your work colleagues, your annoying neighbours, your social media feeds, do they look like you are passionate and devoted to Jesus? Or is it some other God? Success? Comfort, fun, sport, things, stuff, satisfaction in anything that is above your satisfaction in Jesus isn't devotion. And it prevents you the joy of seeing the Holy Spirit at work in you to produce the multiplication, multiplication of disciples. Satan doesn't like that. <laughs> He doesn't want Christians growing in maturity and being part of a local church so that they can grow and multiply disciples. He'll do anything he can to pull hot, fire, hot, hot coals out of the fire. And can I be honest now? 
You might know someone, but I personally do not know of anyone who voluntarily scatters from the local church to go it solo to live a spirit-filled lifestyle on their own. And the fruit is that they are thriving in being a passionate follower of Jesus and living out his purpose. And they're not sharing the good news with others around them. Sometimes there's reasons why it's not possible to be engaged in a local church, and that's not what I'm talking about. Like, for example, those in our own church who've gone out on the mission field, their desire is to be planting and to be growing new churches, or maybe they're so sick that they can't be here. I'm not talking about those who can't be here, but I am talking about people who don't want the hassle of investing in being part of a local church and gathering to worship their Lord gathering for teaching, for fellowship, holding things in common, sharing life with others in the breaking of bread and praying and praising the name of Jesus with one voice. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you. Jesus is calling you again to be part, actively part of the local church, not just to fill yourself up, but to be maturing you that you can't help but be passionate and excited about Jesus and your lifestyle is on display to others to see Jesus is more important than a sleep-in on Sunday morning. Jesus is more important than even family and that your family sees that Jesus is more important than anything else and you can't wait to be living out what God has called you to do. I can't wait till we get together again. We know that's going to be happening soon. My prayer is that you can't wait either. Why don't we pray together? Jesus, thank you for giving us the local church. Thank you that the local church is an expression of what the universal church is. Children set free from sin and death through the power of what Jesus has done on the cross. Thank you, God, that the local church is an example to the community around us, that we have put aside our personal desires and instead we hold in common ground with all of our brothers and sisters to in one voice say, Jesus is King. I have turned from one way of looking after myself to turning and living my life the way Jesus wants us to live, fulfilling his purpose in our lives. I pray for our local church, Lord, that they would be encouraged and that they would be reminded that it is good to be together as the local body, preparing, encouraging one another, and then going out, passionately sharing the good news of Jesus wherever we go. Amen.